Hi, everybody. Welcome to part three of my Under the Hood series with Zeus. Um, this is an interesting one. We are picking up a thread that we left off with in our last interview, which was taking a 100-year cycle look at how these themes repeat themselves. In that case, we were looking at the economy. In this case, we're looking at social conditioning. Social conditioning that in these times have led to violence and tragic results, have broken families and friendships. And it's really haunted me since all of this happened as to how this could have occurred. I've lost friends over what's happened in recent times because there's been such a split in belief systems that our society has literally bifurcated. And it's how do we bring ourselves back together again? I don't know that we can. So toward that end, what Zeus and I are going to do is start deconstructing how these various strange bedfellows came together to create a story that literally tore the nation apart and led to violence. So Zeus, welcome. Well, Regina, that was a great intro. I mean, I think that really brings the import uh, forward here because I know a lot of people are experiencing a lot of the uncertainty and anxiety of some of the changes, massive changes from COVID, massive changes from financial dislocation, and now this idea virus that's coming in the form of QAnon and other kinds of um, sort of shadowy conspiracies and, and attracting a, a bunch of people. And there really haven't been a lot of incisive looks into this. So I, I really, I think that, you know, the world owes you data gratitude in the sense that we're, we're looking at it from this much more truth-driven middle road, not just um, tailing away and, and turning our head to the side and saying they're a bunch of crazies. And on the other hand, we're not simply allowing ourselves to be drawn in to the manipulation. So I and think this, this is, is really important, important uh, not only important concept, but an important approach. Yeah, and just uh, to what you just said, it's really easy for people that fell on one side or the other to point fingers and say the other one is crazy, oh, they're delusional, oh, they're misled. The reality is there are truths here. There are objective truths. There are real players with real names and real faces. Even though in the QAnon phenomena, which most of you certainly know about by now, um, it certainly seems to be anonymous and shadowy, uh, we've been able to do massive amounts of research in the last few weeks and ferret out the names and faces of who was actually behind QAnon and these posts that led to what became known as the insurrection on the U.S. Capitol uh, of January uh, 6th, 2021. And so to begin the conversation, I would like to, Zeus, I mean, you and I have done so much research and you've fed me so many fabulous articles and we go back and forth. And what I would like to do, this is one where you have to pay attention. You might want to stop and start the video. I'm going to read to you two paragraphs from one article that summarizes pretty much, I have a binder full of information on this topic and the players involved from many different sources. Let me read these two paragraphs to you just to have kind of an overview. Then we'll start deconstructing and drilling down a bit. Is that okay with you, Zeus? That sounds great. It's okay. an excellent summary, by the way. Yeah, it's you did an excellent job. Okay, this is pasting it all together. And now we have, I believe, the best explanation for QAnon. Michael Flynn, Josh Samuel, Thomas Schoenberger, and Lisa Clapier and Company, along with uh, Bill Binney, uh, Steve Bannon, and Sean Stone, and a digital army of alt-right 
trolls, and citizen journalists. The creation is complicated, and we don't need to get bogged down with exactly who had which idea when. It's a team effort, and the roles are not clearly delineated. But when we take it into the lab, theirs are the fingerprints we find. It was shortly run out of it says shortly, it was shortly run out of 4chan and needed a home, an unscrupulous web host. And that's where Jim Watkins and his son Ron came in with a message board called 8kun. 4chan had basically no rules. 8kun had literally no rules. Anything goes. And up to and including mass shooters' manifestos and live streams of their massacres. As the landlords of QAnon, they come to have some measure of control over the posts and movements. And we're going to get into where it appears many of these posts came from because it was following a very clear agenda and in collaboration with foreign nations. This mm -hmm. isn't really up for dispute any, any longer. So again, this is to try to bring sanity back into our lives. We may never regain our friends. We may never regain family members in this bifurcated path of consciousness. We have to really start, I think, being efficient in the use of our emotions and energy when deciding who can we kind of connect with and bring back into the fold. There are people we're not going to be able to connect with again for a while and maybe ever. And that has been the hardest thing for me to really accept. And yeah. so, you know, that's a deep emotional scar on all of us. And there are so many moving parts to it. Um, that's that has to be determined on an individual basis. You want to make comment there, Zeus? Yeah, I wanted to make a comment to the audience to say you don't have to be a scientific materialist, a backer of bureaucracy and government uh, on one hand, or this kind of um, going off the deep end, uh, seeing some kind of shadowy force behind every movement on the other hand. There is another way to look at this. And I finally find that both of those two ways of looking at the world are falling apart. They're falling apart when it comes to coronavirus. The scientific materialism is having some serious issues, as well as the people who are reflexively against masks or any kind of uh, beginning to look at preventative strategies. And it falls, it, it's falling apart financially. We can't simply just you know, go along as we've gone, you know, done the American dream, the materialist America, and it's falling apart again here when it comes to idea viruses and beliefs. Truth has to, there has to be some establishment and some regard to empirical, that's on the ground, concrete truth. That can be found through investigation. That can be tested. We can use our community to begin to share those things. Now, our interpretations may vary and we may have some debates about that. But one thing that is not debatable in this process is you can't just make up your own facts. And yes, conventional wisdom and the experts have, and they've done it for reasons that are greed-driven, they've done it for reasons that are power-driven, sometimes fame-driven, but we're seeing the exact same motives in QAnon. Exactly. Greed, <laughs> yes. fame, yeah. and power. Exactly. Right? Also if you see those motivators in the background and not a desire for truth and not a desire for collaboration and health and transparency and transparency, those are the key litmus test indicators. And watch out, people, because they will always do this. They'll set themselves up with one clan versus the other, both motivated by power, fame and money. 
So you need not to get caught in that little trap between those extremes. Right, right on. Okay, so as we start now, we're going to deconstruct one part of what happened that led us to the insurrection at the Capitol, that led us into friendships breaking, and especially in the female community, because there was a part of this story that was woven in that was literally meant to play on the goodness and care of women, to bring them over into the conservative camp um, for purpose. You know, when we already, we already heard about that little synopsis at the top, um, we have to understand there were foreign nations involved. We'll get into that in a little bit. So now, how do we get the women on board who are perhaps new age, perhaps uh, love yoga, watch Gaia? Gaia was implicated in a couple of these articles, as a matter of fact, because Gaia does handle conspiracy theory and it does do a lot of new age content. So how do you get these women, uh, mostly women, good people to come on to something that is literally completely out of balance with their normal belief system. Children, save the children. Does that sound familiar? It should by now. The Save the Children campaign became the fulcrum point for literally amassing support from uh, middle-class Americans and particularly women for their sympathies and care for children. And I think this is really important. So just before you launch in, I'm going to have you take it in a second here. This was the background at the time that we saved the children, save the children. There's a real save the children campaign, by the way, has nothing to do with this. Those real kids that needed real help were never given a dime, were never looked at. There was nothing that ever led to that website in this whole mess. This was completely fabricated to create anger and then a buy-in to a particular political agenda the fake save the children, which we bought into. And that's the one that says Biden and Democrats. I was even accused of being a deep stater um, <laughs> and myself. So that would make me a pedophile. We're all yeah. supposed to be pedophiles. Everyone that is somewhat progressive or liberal is considered now a deep stater and a pedophile. Right. So we, I think you can start feeling that that's not really adding up. You can feel that on a gut level, but here we go. First of all, how the manipulation happened. Uh, and Zeus, you can jump in on this one too. This takes us back a hundred years ago into social engineering. Uh, Edward Bernays, he was kind of the godfather of mass mind manipulation and advertising. He was Freud's nephew, a uh, very prominent person. And this would have been 90, roughly 90 years ago or so when he rose to prominence and had a very large role during the Second World War and so forth in shaping perceptions of the American people. But one of his famous campaigns was how do you get women on board with smoking? And so he created a campaign calling cigarettes freedom torches. Women were tired of just ironing and cooking and being set aside and sometimes even being beaten up by their husbands, not having freedom of motion, of movement, uh, couldn't work in the workforce and so forth. And so how was there a way to express our rebellion and our freedom? Edward Bernays tapped into the psychology coming out of the roaring 20s. Women wanted to express themselves. So he created a campaign called Torches of Freedom. And it had women marching in their beautiful little costumes. They had color campaigns lined up with the packaging on the cigarettes and the costumes of the women in the streets to show 
that we were going to find our freedom through defiantly smoking cigarettes in public. Well, we know what happened. It caught on. We know what happened in terms of the health profile of those women and the nation. And now we've come out the other side because they knew the science all along. They hid it from us because this was all about profit and greed. So here we are a hundred years later, right? And so a hundred years later, now we have saved the children and we have no less skilled participants in mass mind manipulation than Edward Bernays was in his day. And Zeus, if you want to pick it up a little bit and talk about the Save the Children campaign and what was going on with Hillary Clinton. This is now political. Hillary Clinton was up for the presidential um, seat uh, against Trump. She had sanctioned Russia. Russia was not happy. This is where the game gets interesting. We said there were foreign players. Russia's been in the background of all of it all along. Many books are coming out on it very soon. There are already books out on it. This research has already been done. There is no denying these links between this cast of characters and the Russian government. So take it away, Zeus, and set well, the background. I mean, I, I'm going to get into the psychology. What is it that, because there, there are odd bedfellows here. There are new agers here. There are yoginis here. There are suburban stay-at-home moms here. There are nefarious elements here. I mean, uh, white supremacist boys and, yeah. and various groups, and they're all being drawn into this kind of uh, manipulated block of people directed toward. Initially, it was directed toward voting for Trump. It was weaponized to vote for Trump, but it's also been used to demonize anything liberal or progressive, like you said. The whole point of QAnon, as it's been described in many news forecasts, is that there are a bunch of Democrats out there and deep staters that are satanic cabal uh, of, of pedophiles. Uh, and they even go so far as to say eating babies and so forth and so on. And like a lie can travel around the world seven days, <laughs> seven times before the truth gets its boots on. It's tapping into an anxiety around change. And by bringing in Save the Children, it tapped into a positive motivation, right? And uh, the games and puzzles involved with QAnon made you seem like an insider, you know? And it's tapping into this enlightenment, it's tapping into the anxiety, and it's creating these clear answers, even though they're kind of ambiguous, that there's a white hat out there behind all of this. And if we just listened to that white hat and gave up our authority and sovereignty to that person, we could bask in the glow of that. Of course, they weaponized that for Trump, but they did it in general with the QAnon persona. Can we talk about a few of the white hats' names, the the white hats' names who were actually in there behind this? You might have to toss a few out. So the white hats were conveniently none other than the supportive staff to Donald Trump and his election campaign. Right. Uh, one of the, okay, we're looking at Michael Flynn, we're looking at Roger Stone, Steve right. Bannon, Jared Kushner, Paul Manafort, Julian Assange, right. and several more. These right. were supposedly the white hats, the anonymous white hats that were going to save us all. We can see now these were part of the tr- team that was used with these incredible tools that were weaponized to be able to shift perception in the direction of Donald Trump. There were no white hats. There never were any white hats. And we're going to talk about a couple of these characters in more depth in a minute, because we'll see just how not white their hats were. 
Right. And in fact, many of it was ironic. You notice that one of the basic psychological tricks is that if you're doing it, project it on your enemy. Some of these right. people were credibly accused of actual pedophilia in, in court cases, Trump among them, but others as well. And no better way to try to deflect attention than to automatically point to an enemy, a black hat, or some shadowy force that you, that you have secret knowledge about, and you have a secret power, and you're secretly working to make certain things happen. That's what eventuated in everyone believing that Trump was going to take over, that the inauguration wasn't going to happen, that the people would rise up and make sure that this, you know, supposedly Satan-worshipping pedophile uh, Biden is not going to take office. Now, none of that actually happened. And so that's creating a crisis of reality for many of these people. Yes. But the thing we should be looking at is starting with the fact that it didn't happen and no, there wasn't a big shutdown of communications and no, the darkness has not descended at all. We've actually moved into a, a slightly saner and still very troubled and we've got to roll our sleeves up kind of place. But now we can actually begin to move on. But I mean, you talked right. about specific people that you want. I, we just on. talked about those people. We don't. I, most people know who they are, and I'm going to refer mm -hmm. you for anyone that wants to kind of look behind the QAnon thing. Kind of a, a quick and easy way to do it is on Vice TV. They have a QAnon special if you want to go there. Uh, there, we're going to put a couple links up for you too. People who have put the pieces together um, and, and done their due diligence. Um, so I think we can kind of move on to the ways in which they did it because this gets really shadowy. Um, we're talking about money changing hands in Trump's campaign to the tune of $320,000 paid to a group called Psy Group. Now, well, there was over $2 million paid to, to Psy Group. Two, over, oh, right, right. Two, you're right. They, 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 charged th they, they asked for three and a half, and I think they got over $2 million for that. Okay, thank you for correcting me on the numbers. Yeah. This is a big deal. Psy Group is a collective of former Mossad agents out of Israel for hire. They'll work for anyone. They work for... They work for Arab nations, they work for Trump, they work for whoever will pay them. And these guys are highly skilled. And what they say in in their, um, what do you call that? The manifesto of a company? Um, mission statement. Yeah, their mission statement. <laughs> I don't know if you call it a mission statement. Well, let's just say their ledger of services. Disinformation campaigns are mm -hmm. one of them. They can do on the ground ops and they work it through social media sources. It mm -hmm. says, they say that right up front. They boast about it. They boast about it. So these people, <laughs> yes. So these, this group uh, under, um, through a man named Josh Zamel was um, engaged monetarily. There was a contract done between uh, the people that were handling Trump and his campaign to start creating disinformation campaigns. Because if you can't win straight up on your own virtues, then you're going to tear apart the opponent. So these people became involved along with Cambridge Analytica and some other groups as well. And so these are, these are very well uh, resourced, um, very highly skilled people in the field of social media and disinformation, mm -hmm. okay, and gathering statistics and data. And they also uh, have collaborating relationships, sometimes with other countries, as we've mentioned. Right. And, and they have no loyalty. And there's no loyalty. No loyalty. This is for hire. Trump's relationship with Russia and his fascination with Russian women and, and Russia in general goes back 40 years. Are and there are many books there. Are, yes. Anyone They've been cultivating him as an asset for decades. Yes, they have. And and Michael Flynn, which you know 
is the central figure yes. in, in, in QAnon. He's really yeah. pretty much the, the head of the entire, the top that's, of the entire. That's the punchline. That's where we're going, and we'll get to his character in a moment. So let, let's hold him back. But, just he, had, he had those ties, too. What I'm, I'm not, yes. I'm not, but how this network works is that Russia didn't, for the most part, initiate a lot of this. Russia is cultivating assets that will allow them to have power internationally. And yes. one of the ways they do that is to disrupt the U.S. culture and U.S. governing system. That yes. was their main motivation. Okay? Well, that's what a number of these articles said, is that yeah. they weren't cultivating directly for the moment that they were going to be able to control the U.S. president. However, right. knowing Trump's character, in this case yeah. of Trump, they could speak into his ear and say the correct words of flattery and such, and did suggest you run, they, he run for office. This was a few yeah. decades ago. Planted yeah. the idea in him because he was already in relationship with them. And then it just be, it's subtle, but persistent, engaging in one deal, a little compromise there. And this is how that stuff happens. Like they were kind of doing a scattershot and trying to bring in a lot of different assets from different quarters of business. And Trump was just one of them. And you just keep working it and working it and you bring other yeah. players in and you work them. It wasn't though as though they knew the outcome decades ago, but they certainly had the pieces laid in place to continue grooming someone at that position. And they did successfully do that with Trump. Um, I think you and I are both familiar with the books by Malcolm Nance, who is in mm -hmm. counterintelligence. And he goes into great, great detail in talking about the um, collaborations on a business level uh, with the Russians between Donald Trump and the Russians. Um, and it right down to names, dates, hotels where they met, the time of the meetings, who was present. This isn't making stuff up. This is a fact. These are facts that he's gathered in, through the intelligence community. He has, I think, two or three books on it, and there are more books coming out. So let's just not argue the point. Yes, Donald Trump has been doing business with the Russians for a long time and never stopped, including while he was president. So, In fact, there's a great example yeah. in which the Russian in the, uh, um, KGB uh, was, was delighted because Trump himself took out a huge full-page ads in major newspapers with an anti-NATO uh, script that was straight out of Russian's greatest, you know, yes. wildest dream. We were thrilled. <laughs> and uh, so, it, but, but what we see with that is something that actually metastasized wider. We begin to see a notion of faith and a notion of brotherhood that transcends country or that makes patriotism or country the servant of something larger, whether this is an evangelical Christian theocracy, whether it's something else. And you get you see this in the most weird and contradictory ways. Like on one hand, you saw Trump supporters wearing shirts that had Putin and Trump together and were proudly trumpeting Putin's and Trump's relationship. And on the other hand, they're having a sign saying communism is a secret enemy. And I'm like, people, Putin is the literally preeminent communist <laughs> dictator and leader throughout the world. But the prop, they, they're seeing it in completely two different worlds. They're saying Putin is helping Trump and the White Hats bring some kind of, um, some kind of golden era or something. I don't know what it is. Yeah. 
and not realizing all this stuff on the other hand, which is the evidence is pointing to the point of manipulation that's going to really change world conditions. Absolutely. And so now here we are, now the Save the Children campaign, because as they were going through those emails, everyone knows about the big dump, WikiLeaks dump, and the emails on Hillary Clinton. It turned out they were pretty boring. They didn't really find much in them. And so... Uh, the Trump campaign was starting to freak out a little bit, get creative. How can we put home a message that's going to work? Well, that's when Hillary became a pedophile and a baby eater and all of that. That's how that came out. And they use these tools, these companies we talked about, use social media so that they start creating avatars that are putting these messages out, creating these accounts all over. And then they can start literally replicating these messages up to 900, a thousand times a day from fake avatar accounts. And once they're out there and the algorithms pick them up, they start making their way toward notice by actual legitimate platforms. Right. And so once it's out there enough, these platforms that we're familiar with start picking it up. Now, right. these aren't necessarily scrupulous platforms. It's not like right. they do their homework, but they're right. well-known platforms and anyone who loves the game of conspiracy theory is probably gonna run across this. And they did. And I remember even with a group of my women friends here, all of a sudden, everyone's home with COVID. They're on the computer researching. And a couple of them said, oh, Biden, did you know he's a pedophile? And I said, well, where's your evidence? They didn't care about the evidence. No one ever looked for evidence on this. They right. said, no, he's a pedophile. Mm -hmm. So it was serving something in them. And that's right. what we're going to get to in a moment. What right. is it about this story? What right. did it serve in the people who chose to embrace that? Yeah. And I was going to say, and, and, and as a prelude to this, just to let your audience know, I'm going to address that question, but I wanted to add to what you just said. Yes, that propaganda also comes from mainstream media. You yes, and I know that MSNBC was targeting Bernie Sanders. Yes. Trying to call him a communist and a socialist or imply that he was an extremist for a $15 minimum wage and for care for the environment. The real white hats, the people that are actually that save the children, the actual organization save the children, the Bernie Sanders of this world, trying to move things in a progressive direction are also being targeted by mainstream propaganda. So Absolutely. And it's really important. You, I, it's really important you bring this up. We're just yeah. talking about this one kind of shadowy scenario right now right. because it was so dramatic, but it's right. happening all day, every day in mainstream media as well. So, right. right. We need not to overlook that. They did their part in this whole mess too. It's so much easier if you're getting really, really reamed at work to come home and kick your dog. Right. That's what I think is really kind of happening here. Working class is getting shellacked by a billionaire's wealth that grew by, by 1.3 trillion and everyone else lost a trillion dollars. So there's a clear and evident and a reason for this rage or anxiety, they know the game is rigged and it is rigged empirically. The facts support the fact that we've had this huge separation in wealth and that the rich guys don't get prosecuted for their financial crimes. And you, you know, steal a loaf of bread or you use marijuana, you know, you get, and it's a third strike, you get 10 years in jail for just using a, a little bit of marijuana. Now that's beginning to change. But clearly, What's driving a lot of this is loss of entitlement, but also real injustice affecting all of us broadly. But instead of directing our wrath at corporations, wealthy people, and so forth, interestingly enough, 
these conspiracy theories always seem to direct it toward black and brown people, to poor white people, toward toward the unusual, and they get you know um, they get help from mainstream media a lot of times. And so there was this inchoate rage, anxiety, and desire to want to strike back. We saw this with the new GameStop and silver to, uh, uh, economic desires to come out against hedge fund traders in mass. And I think there is some, there's some optimism here. But when you ask the question about what is this targeting, what psychologically is it targeting? It's not just the salaciousness, which we know and gossip, unfortunately, is, is extraordinarily, it's addictive. But it's also this underlying sense of injustice and wanting to just strike out and punch out at someone and still with the idea that there's got to be a hero, a white hat to do it for us. That was the big mistake. Yes, and one of the things you brought up uh, was very poignant, and that is we heard from a few people who've made it onto mainstream news saying, yeah, I was really uh, down the QAnon hole. And then when they weren't arrested on Inauguration Day and weren't put up, there wasn't a tribunal, none of that happened. I realized kind of for the last time I'd been lied to again, mm -hmm. and they started looking at it. But what we learned is that some of these people had actually been progressive supporters of Bernie Sanders. And right. they saw what the mainstream media and the Democratic National Committee did mm -hmm. to burn Bernie. They right. buried him so he didn't have a chance at the nomination because that would cut into profits of corporations, okay? Right. He said he was going to raise their taxes. That's not allowed by either party, Democrat and Republican. You're not gonna let someone like Bernie in, right? right. And they were so angry at seeing that Bernie had been burned by the DNC and the media that they just swung the other direction to go to a completely off the grid uh, sources of media that had no proof, no names, no faces even. But right. you can see how it happened. It's like the broken-hearted dreamer, like you just said, Zeus. Mm -hmm. People who want to see real change and are right. seeing how they're getting screwed and how yeah. people like Bernie even are getting screwed. Right. So that really sets it up. And you wrote this list here, and I, I want to just, <laughs> this was your question that you posed. What do New Agers, Putin, Russia, Flynn, Trump, Proud Boys, Anti-Vaxxers, Free State of Jefferson, Yoginis all have in common, <laughs> right? Yes. And this is where, and we won't spend too much time on these because I want to keep this as compact as possible. Yeah. But you're you're really right on, and and this is we have this is where we have to own it. Right. Um, and I've seen it a lot in the conspiracy community in my last fifteen years, being what was considered a part of that community, trying to bring forth things that were hidden from view. And mm -hmm. one of them is an enlightened. You put on this little list here. There are several several bullets one of them is an enlightenment complex we all want to believe that we're rising in our level of enlightenment so just briefly explain what that does to the psyche of a person when we're seeking enlightenment we're seeking ascension from where we are now right well first of all i want to say i'm very sympathetic life on earth is contradictory and weird yeah sometimes painful we do have a lower mind uh, and, and we have these higher aspirations and if you go into regina's work she even has an evolution of the human species oftentimes with the you know people coming from other dimensions coming from other places inhabiting this human body and going what the heck just happened you know i'm feeling pain and I have uh, addictive impulses that bring me one way, and I have these very sublime spiritual impulses that bring me another. 
Our brains are built to kind of manage this. And one of the things that we really have to watch out for is if we actually imagine something or fantasize in our, uh, something in our brain, our brain thinks it as actually happened. This creates a problem with us when we're trying to discern the concrete reality of something and our imaginal or what we would like to believe reality of something. This creates a problem because there's a shortcut that looms and it's a huge temptation that if we just had the right formula, the right guru, the right hero, or the right expert, if you're on more conventional things and you follow them, everything's gonna be taken care of. The nirvana happens and golden age is gonna merge. Guess what? We're the people we've been looking for. We're the white hats. You and me, Regina, and your audience, we're the ones we've been looking for. You're not gonna find it in the guru. They have, these people have shown themselves to be very vulnerable to fame, power, money, and various other corruptions. Their, their actions have absolutely demonstrate that they're corrupt. They have vices left and right, okay? It's not like we don't have to trust them. We just have to look at the observation and, and, and evidence of our own senses. Boom, have you paid off? Have they saved the children, actually tried to save children? They didn't, did they, in this QAnon thing? The actual Save the Children organization out there is and does good work. We can distinguish between the two. One's an imaginal, right, done for manipulation. The other one's actual. And it actually has improvable, measurable results that all of us can get behind. So that's what we're trying to do in terms of developing this culture and this community is the actual. with Led by us from the grassroots up led by virtue, not vice and shady gossip and shady things, but exact opposite, transparency. We're gonna cut right through the bull. <laughs> and we're gonna also, also address that, Ashbeck, you talk about this enlightenment complex, that it doesn't just stay in the head where we are legends in our own mind and you know where we do politically correct stuff and cancel culture to make ourselves look good or social media and snap a bunch of pictures about how great we are all of that's representationalism we want substantialism right we want ourselves to walk the talk i agree <laughs> i hope you're enjoying this video because if you are there are dozens more like it on my site all supported by people like you so if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club, and other live events with special guests. So join in. Thanks. Let's get to a couple of other the, of these and we'll go through them quickly because I think we can all feel them in their being and we want to get to a place where we're looking at this from a self-responsible angle and where we can begin discerning correctly now instead of delusionally and I want to get into a juicy little thing about um, sociopathic behavior in our society that is fascinating and it was validated. Okay, so finishing that up. We all want to feel chosen on some level. We all want to feel as though we're special, we're unique. We have some special value in the world and especially in the conspiracy community. And I noticed this many years ago with the people I was associated with is there was a certain kind of charge that people would get when they felt they were in the know. And then of course you start proselytizing to family and friends and they're, they're maybe not buying in. You get angry and you think those oh, are just stupid. They don't want to hear the truth. So there is a sense of self-righteousness that does lead to this feeling of feel, being special, 
even chosen on some level. And in addition to that, that can even lead to a bit of a hero's complex where we want to be out there and we want to help like save the world. We want to save people from themselves, from their, their own ignorance. And as I say these words, you can feel in your body where we, each one of us have maybe involved ourselves to an extent of feeling like we were especially in the know and we were doing hero's work by sharing this with other people. And that's part of the insider complex. These are all part of this list, feeling like you're an insider. And that's really key. That's what QAnon really played on. You, yep. you hang with us. You're going to be an insider. And then they do their little LARP, live action role-playing uh, riddles and things and questions. Q would always throw these intriguing questions out, not really give answers per se. This is all part of a game. People yep. love games. They love puzzles. They want to be part of that. And right. so it played into the desire to be actively engaged in something they felt was meaningful, that could put them in the know and really help be a hero in their lives and the life of others. So conspiracy theory plays into a lot of really deep hidden desires and needs, but we're, there are some of them that are a little darker that we're going to have to, we're going to right. have to own. And as you've readily pointed out, Regina, there are not just grains of truth, but big slabs of truth behind a lot of these different things, you know? Oh, yeah. Conspiracy theory doesn't work if there aren't truths behind it. There has to be something base that people relate to. Exactly. How it's constructed from there really can often serve the person that is telling the story or has a site and needs more subscribers. That's a fact. Exactly. What you do when you pay attention is you see what motivates these people. You yeah. see if they're actually going with it and whether or not it's actually serving the world. And that can be determined. Right. You know, corrupting people, dividing people, getting them violent and angry. Just a, just an offhand here calculation on the end of the back of an envelope. That's not helping the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I mean, th this is another way to evaluate whether something's on the up and up. Measurable improvement of the world that increases health increases involvement, pro-social involvement, that in, it does, decreases blame and finger pointing and allows for collaboration and co-creation. That's right, Zeus. And that is what conspiracy theory, what was called, that was labeled by the intelligence community to throw them as outcasts and make these figures questionable. But these figures were often trying to tear the veil back from truths that were being hidden, like right. cigarettes are bad for you, right. like Cigarettes can cause cancer. Those were conspiracy theorists that were originally espousing these points of view that these things were bad for you. That kind of conspiracy was really meant to pull the lies away from a subject to reveal deeper truths so we could make more intelligent decisions. And Zeus, I don't know that people know this about you. Your father was a key player. Right. Your father was a key player in the story of fluoride. Right. Um, mentioned, well, I think we mentioned this in one of our other interviews. So you grew up around the whole notion of conspiracy theory mm -hmm. and your dad was trying to tell the truth. Right. He, was, he suffered as a result of it because he was being paid by a very large chemical company to see the effects of fluoride on the human body. And what right. he found was not good. And when he reported right. his findings, they got rid of him. So he went out and as being labeled a conspiracy theorist and started telling the truth. He was a, he was a fluoridation truther. And your right. family paid the consequences for it. Yeah, he, we, we, we went for a year and a half on food stamps and selling firewood. 
after he got after he got fired from Chemical Abstract for not coming up with the official kind of affirmation of fluoride. He, he did biochemical studies that show fluoride had deleterious or dangerous effects on the human body. He did work with you know Nobel Prize linked researchers like um, you know uh, Burke um, and uh, Otto Warburg's uh, um, yeah. uh, uh, protege. Um, Dean Burke, and and they showed uh, epidemiologically, or uh, you know, uh, that uh, there was a link between cancer and fluoride. It wasn't some shadowy conspiracy theory, and he was fighting against both sides, very much like QAnon, the conventional yeah, John Birch, the John Birch Society, yes, yeah. top-down side that was trying to get an industrial pollutant, a highly toxic industrial pollutant called sodium fluoride, produced by fertilizer industries. It's aluminum smelting finding a way to get it into your water supply with really bad studies his biochemistry challenged them and he and he actually blew them away and won court cases against them and got it out of water supplies in los angeles i think in austin texas at least for a while they a lot of times city councils overturned it and on the other hand he was going against the john birchers which were which basically the guy who was head of john birchers is the Koch brothers father yeah who are, who, are, who are using cultural memes to distract from their concentration of wealth. So they get the rabble all interested in conspiracy theories about, about this was a plot by the communists, fluoride was a plot by the communists in order to take over America. Well, both of them are illegitimate. Both of them are representing narrow interest over and against the health of people. And my dad fought against that. And I encourage each one of us to think, fight against that. And don't let yourself get pulled into each one of those. The conventional scientific materialism on one side and the conspiracy shadowy deep staters on the other. There's you nothing know? wrong with digging for truth, even no. if it's against conventional wisdom. That's what your father was doing. That's what many people have been doing. That's what I tried to do with Conscious Media Network and even at Gaia, is right. try to unveil some of this. That's not conspiracy theory. That's no. simply digging for truth that's been lumped as conspiracy theory. And Jess, I just want to toss this out there. If someone goes to YouTube, if they wish to go to YouTube, um, and look under your dad's name, Dr. John Yomianis. There's mm -hmm. still a video of him from many years ago when he was out giving a, a talk about. Well, we'll try to get a link at it. We'll try yeah. to put a link down below. Yeah, honor honor your dad's good work for those yeah. many years and, ago. And I and I wanted to say something too. And this is why, right from the beginning, I I hate to say I hated Julian Assange. The guy was, I mean, and, he, and there are a lot of progressives that are really supporting. Think he should have a Nobel Prize. Think there should be, but but you know, Edward Snowden, I think, was a true hero. First of all, he was a true insider. He actually saw what was going on and he paid the consequences for being a whistleblower. Most true whistleblowers, a lot of them lose their home, lose their marriages and lose a good amount of their savings because they're willing to do the right thing at great personal cost. That but wasn't Julian Assange. Exact opposite. The, the guy's always looking for an out, always looking for a name, always looking for a headline. And that's an indicator that even though they may produce some decent material, and WikiLeaks has, um, their motivations say a lot about the kind of person and how much you can rely upon them. I agree with that. And this has certainly come up in this research we were doing. Um, I, for a long time, I was kind of a fence sitter about Assange, you know, because you say, as you say, there was some, he did some good work. 
but then also it started looking like there was something else involved. And we, mm -hmm. we've now scratched below the surface on that one. Uh, those email dumps, like we said early on, uh, that really benefited Trump and just, just trashed Hillary Clinton just before the election. Remember, this is what we learned along the way in our research, and that is that Russia was behind this from the very beginning. They were involved from the very beginning. And they were, uh, and this includes Assange, this includes Michael Flynn and Trump. And because this was becoming clear, I thought, you know, I'm going to go to an, an unexpected outside source. I did a show a couple of days ago on the Theo Live um, site, and uh, Sheila Gillette channels the group called Theo. And so I thought, let me, let me just, I'll just ask Theo in a little pre-interview to look at it from their point of view and what we've been finding and see if they see validity in it. And I asked the Theo group because politically they've been very astute and their predictions have been right on for the last 40 years. So if we're going to talk politics, I would talk to the Theo group. So I mentioned, I said, look, we're digging and digging. The further we go, all fingers are pointing to Michael Flynn who is the altar of Donald Trump or the other way around. We don't know which one is whose altar. And they, they both have similar motivations. And I said, is this, is this accurate? I don't want to go saying anything uh, and naming names if we have not come to the right conclusion. And they said in their stark way, oh yes, this is the correct in, uh, conclusion. But remember with him and, um, Trump and the others remember that this had to do with uh, engagement with a foreign nation from the beginning. And I said, are you speaking of Russia? And they said, yes, Russia has been involved in this from the very beginning. All of this QAnon stuff always had that imprint behind it and people working in collaboration behind it. So we went down the Flynn rabbit hole even a little bit further. Mm -hmm. And Zeus, you came across a stunning email. Now, if you start educating yourself on this uh, and you start hearing the names and reading about the names like Thomas Schoenberger and others we've mentioned, go down the rabbit holes for yourself. You go do your own research on this. But Zeus found this one email that was from, I believe it was from Michael Flynn. Was it to Thomas Schoenberger? Yeah. To Schoenberger. Schoenberger, and in it was... They were bragging about each other's military stuff, you know? They, they were bragging. They were doing that thing that guys do. But in it, Flynn said, you know, I had those troubled, essentially, I had those troubled years after MK Delta. I mean, I all the hairs on my head stood up. MK Delta, wait a minute, I've never heard this piece of the story anywhere. And, and then it went on to say, Flynn is saying to um, Schoenberger, thank God that God saved my mind. God saved my mind. Well, now, if you start researching around on Michael Flynn's life, there's a lot of shadowy stuff in there, okay? Mm -hmm. Starting with being a juvenile delinquent. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was a little off kilter even as a kid. Got promoted in the military with a 1.2 grade, grade point average through mm -hmm. some insider stuff. Um, it was really not, he was not very stable emotionally, it appears. And you'll see in this huge swath of his career, there's no real information. He's just kind of, kind of climbing up the ranks here and there a little bit. But this thing about MK Delta, I thought, now, wait a minute. I know about MK Ultra. I know about Project Monarch and these things, and I need to dig a little more into MK Delta. So it's, it's 
you know, it's not that easy sometimes to find direct information from legitimate sites on these uh, CIA black ops projects. But I did find one mention that said MK Delta as part of the MK Ultra project. That's the the program within MK Ultra that trains the people specifically designed for assassination plots. Because we already know that MK Ultra create the mentoring candidates. This isn't this isn't a surprise to anyone watching this. Go watch the movie Mentoring Candidate. That stuff's real. So if you have someone specifically trained in assassination who has been under the, not just in the, in the MK Ultra program, well, you know, if you've read about this program, these people's minds are literally split. They're bifurcated. They are, their mind is completely co-opted through a training process it can be traumatic or non-traumatic over the period of months and even years it takes a long time to train somebody that is ready to take the position as a sleeper agent he's admitting in this email he was trained as a sleeper agent yeah <laughs> I, I, I don't even have words for that how come we didn't know that about this man and how, and when he says god recovered my mind god gave me back my mind nobody gives you back your mind after being in that kind of programming i haven't heard it may have i've as you know i've interviewed some of these people uh, very very hard for anyone to be deprogrammed and get their truly get their mind back and it doesn't say this part of his life story is missing and he admits to being really messed up i would contend he's still extremely messed up if you start reading some of the most recent articles you're like i can't believe what this man was doing and we came that close to his say his will being done and he apparently was the primary q poster that's the man the white hat that was guiding everybody right and he appropriated q because q was started as a game as a lark uh, live action role playing and so forth puzzles and these were incorporated and used and then subsumed under Flynn. What's interesting about Flynn, remember, he's the one that was encouraging strongly mm -hmm. Trump to, to declare martial law and simply make himself king. Okay, Absolutely. this is not a conspiracy theory. Literally, yeah. the recordings of him saying that, uh, you packed uh, an article from Axios to me uh, through your friend Susan. Insane. That showed that literally Trump was coming this close to declaring martial law. And having and all of those voters and having all those voting machines literally picked up and recalled. And right. now we're seeing the repercussions of it. People in the Trump administration, Fox News is being sued for over a billion dollars each because right. of what they did to those voting machines company. There was absolutely no evidence. Anything was ever tampered with with those machines. Right. And they're going to prove it now in court. These guys right. are now going to have to pay for this lascivious information that they were spreading spreading around and we have to remember too michael flynn was fired after 24 days in the trump administration and this was a very sad moment for trump he did not want to let him go because of his conflict of interest in business deals with the russians right That's he made he millions of dollars and turkey as well yes and you? turkey so he was already oh, yeah. in bed with these strong arm right. guys and a couple of million dollars and you overwhelm 700 billion dollars spent on our defense forces you know, it's amazing with the little cyber wealth warfare, a few, a couple hundred or 10, hundred, 10 millions of dollars here. 
a few bribes here and there to individual people and stroking their egos, and all of a sudden you can bring an entire country to its knees. Yes. What's interesting about what about this, not only about Flynn's utter incompetence and that he kept failing upward, which has its own, which shows to me that there's there is a true deep state within there, and they're not white hats, they're black hats. They're bringing together and a desire to consolidate power. But when I look at when I look at that point you said about him saying evangel evangelism healed his mind. And there's two other important points here. If you look at the Wikipedia entry on Mike Flynn, there's an entire missing 18 year period. That's that, year, that period, Zeus, where he was supposedly just kind of, no one heard much. He was maybe mm -hmm. in the military, ri rising in a little position here. Right. There, there, there was nothing going on. But it was during those years that he would have been involved with MK Ultra if what he says about himself is true. Right. That would have I been think it made him actually years. worse. I think the evangelism literally put steroids to what happened to him in MK Delta. Yes. Because evangelism has its own drug. And I, I believe in being reborn again. I believe in spirituality. I believe we're not just this body, that we that we have a soul and we have a spirit. And you and I are very big advocates of developing that. I even wrote a book called Spirit Athlete and so forth and so on. But here's the problem with evangelism just as as a as a psychological state. It can develop an unwarranted kind of egoism and hero worship of yourself, a legend in your own mind. And I think if not, it not only did evangelism not save uh, Michael Flynn, it intensified his more megalomaniacal tendencies. He had a desire because, to be a hero. Because now he was a Christian soldier and not just an assassination soldier. Right. right? He was now going for not just country, but for God. Right, and, that's and we a have very potent and very dangerous combination when you're being manipulated and tweaked by other yes, people. Exactly, and I think it's important to say this came from an email between Michael Flynn and Thomas Schoenberger. So mm -hmm. we're not doing it. We're not sharing this as a matter of hearsay. Mm -hmm. Assuming that whoever put this out was actually Michael Flynn, and that's his actual account that was being shown. It appears to be then this is the case. So I just want to put it out there in case somehow we were fooled in some in case there's somehow a spoof email or whatnot. But yes, this, and these emails were hacked. I mean, they weren't were gotten. Hacked. They were not yeah, gotten important. by means that may be completely, you know, yes. <laughs> legal, but they're now public record. They're you now know? public record. So they were hacked. We, we yeah. have one. Okay. So we have a whole bunch of articles by Daniel Morrison. He, he put yeah. together the this evidence and this was one of the evidences that were out there yeah. and i have to say my own heart goes out to the hacker community i love cyberpunk myself i feel like a not groups like anonymous and these people poking in the eye of both conspiracy uh manipulation on one hand and and conventional wisdom and corporatocracy on the other hand i find myself enjoying that liking that kind of that kind of hacker culture because kind we of a disruptive culture because we do need to be disrupted a bit yes i agree zeus and i want to go on now and to finish this conversation get into you and me all of us how we where we uh why we buy into things that serve us even though they might not necessarily be true and before i go to that very last thing i want to say something because it's really important i think it applies to flynn I think it applies to Trump and, and many other, well, apparently a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So 
In my quest to find truth about all of this, I went as far as to call upon a friend who has a connection with someone who is a lie detector specialist for the intelligence community. And I thought, I wonder if I can just talk to him and find out how lies show up biologically, you know, how it shows up because this is a biological reading device, lie detector tests. And they're very highly trained to be very specific in the way questions are asked. And so he did not go out of his purview. He did not speculate. But after we got done talking about what happens when we tell ourselves something that conveniently serves a belief inside of us already, whatever that may be, that it's comfortable. And now remember, through social media, we're only going to have this validated by having an abundance of the same kind of validating information flowing in night and day. As long as we're online, we're going to have these validating sources coming in. So now we're being validated. This thing we want to be true, even though it sounds outlandish, the story may sound outlandish, there's something in it for us. We start folding it into our belief system. You can't tell that on a lie detector test. Even if someone's bought a big whopper, it doesn't show up anymore. It's now folded into our own belief system and sense of who we are, what we are, and our truth. So that's interesting. But what was more interesting, and he said to me he found more fascinating, was that he was very disturbed to find that now we've reached a point in society where a large percentage of people are actually sociopathic. It's not just a birth, you know, or a DNA um, issue. This is a condition now. And I said that in a large part of the population, I said, what do you mean large? And five, 10, 15, 20%. He said, yes, that many. These people running around the earth now are actually sociopathic, meaning right from wrong does not matter. Whatever they desire matters, right and wrong, the harm it causes other is of no consequence to them. So meanwhile, I told you a bit ago, I was talking to the Theo group about this because I wanted to make sure we weren't falsely pointing fingers, even though our research and everyone else's all points to Michael Flynn is, is one of the top dogs, if not the top poster for QAnon. Now we know a bit more about him. Um, they also said, we want to offer this. You need to know that one in five people on the planet now are what we would call sociopathic. Uh, sociopaths, that's what I just heard from this lie detector specialist. 20%, one in five. They said, yes, this is true. Now this, this brings up another set of problems for all of us because that means most likely somewhere in our life is someone that doesn't really know the difference or care about the difference between right and wrong anymore. This is a new development on this planet, and we can speculate all day as to how it came to be, but I'd like you to comment, Suze. Well, I mean, I think it's really important to recognize that what gives rise to that sociopathy, um, and that is simply this. Um, when you become so invested, and this is a psychological thing, this is why it's very difficult for people to sell their houses when they go down. And <laughs> when you become invested in something, it's called sunk cost. You become invested in the rightness of it. And especially if you graft your identity and sense of worth and sense of success to that, and that thing fails, it's very difficult to say simply, I was wrong, I take the hit, I take the loss, because you're left with a vacuum. Right. And so this sociopathy is driven by this investment and this this fear and almost terror 
of admitting that you're you were wrong or you followed the right wrong person or they lied to you or whatever it happened when you invested so much into it it's very difficult for people to admit that they were conned and this is a con on a colossal scale but here's the secret you are more than your belief you are more than your identification especially with heroes and experts and gurus okay what is the component in yourself that is more ascendant that you should be paying more attention to than simply your beliefs and your attachment to these people and 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 caused this and that's where we i think can begin to break free of this a little bit i think so Zeus. Zeus and I, uh, as i was on this show the other day people were asking about this subject and i said well they said, well, my understanding is people are born sociopathic, as sociopaths. And I thought, I don't, I don't think that that's the case anymore, if that was true at all. And I said, look at what the last few years has done. Look at what COVID has done. Just like some of the housewives that said, oh, my God, I really believe that save the children thing and then found out it wasn't even true. I was sitting home during COVID. My sister sent me a link. Everything I started getting was links supporting that. I went to one site after another, and in a couple of weeks, I was believing it. Mm -hmm. And so it, this period of time being manipulated by these outside forces, and we're all being manipulated if we're online all the time. Mm -hmm. So we are, we, we have been, uh, this has been a massive exper social experiment on one level. But when you, when you look at this, it gave us the opportunity to kind of play with the naughty edges of our own characters beliefs and desires so what if there is something in remaining in us that wants to feel superior what if there's something in us that's deeply on a little a familial level cultural level still prejudice against a group of people what if these messages we don't consider ourselves that right but what if these messages came in and gave us just enough permission to start playing around the edges of these unhealed parts of our own psyche and our own emotions and i think that that because we have no real there's no one keeping us honest when you're in a in an environment where it's just you and your keyboard you can't feel someone else's feelings or responses to us if we say something wacky out loud to a group of people are going to say huh someone might even call us out there's nothing keeping us honest in this shadowy online anonymous world. And I think it gave permission for people to come out and play with the unhealed parts of themselves more than in the past. And some of that literally started expressing itself in ways that we're seeing the result of now. In fact, I was listening to the other day to this young woman, this journalist, very intelligent young woman saying, look, in my generation, she's a millennial, in my generation, we don't even talk on the phone. It's not like we don't meet face to face, which we don't, uh, except maybe on occasion with a friend. We don't. Um, we don't even talk on the phone. In fact, if the phone rings, we assume it's an emergency or someone died. Imagine a world where we're not even hearing each other's voices anymore. We're not getting that subtle information. We're not feeling one another and seeing in one another's eyes face to face that's a world without accountability in my opinion yep and and, and like michael flynn you do have two choices here when you have this anxiety and you're faced with the kind of uncertainty and change that we have now and it's very analogous to the COVID 19 virus we have two choices there too we can try to scramble to the scientific 
illusion that somehow vaccine's gonna save everything, <clears throat> or we can run the other unthinkingly the other direction and think it's a deep state conspiracy, or we can see this, just like you said, Regina, as an invitation <clears throat> to the physically unhealed parts of ourselves to begin and make ourselves healthier <clears throat> body-wise. Because when we do, this virus doesn't have that power over us. The same is true of idea viruses. We don't need to run to conventional news media and conventional politics, nor do we need to run to the whole re wholesale rejection and to the conspiracy dark corners. We can actually be transparent, coming from the bottom up, and develop an identity not based on our attachment to something, but this expression of the spirit, right? And, and, and sharing of it and engaging other people to create a network and a community that keeps people honest without judgment and cancel culture, but with, with a true notion that there isn't gonna be a vacuum if we let all this crap fall away. There's actually going to be, just like a good forest fire, a clearing so yeah. that the new growth can sprout up so don't worry about it. This change, this uncertainty, so many things being got, gotten rid of doesn't have to make you try to cling to some notion of hero, heroship or that the world's gone wrong. It's the clearing, like you said, to help us play with those unhealed aspects of ourselves. And instead of being terrified by Black Lives Matter and others, see it as that invitation to begin to look at those unhealed parts of ourselves, not in terms of shame, blame, and guilt, but opportunity, joy, yes, rising I, of the spirit, new solidarity, new coalitions, new, hey, I'm much better than I thought. Yeah, heck, I have this racist, and I'm so glad you helped me and see that, because now I can be free of it, rather than the other way around where you're like, oh, are you judging me, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, on every level, I think we can begin to take to do a complete inversion of the traditional reactions to that and have a much more positive one. I, I agree with that, Zeus, and I think we have to just acknowledge in ourselves, it's tough being an earthling. A lot of competing interests since we first made our way onto the scene, walking mm -hmm. this planet, and one thing that has always been true, we, whatever we are, wherever we've been, and whatever part of the globe, whatever cave we're in, there's always been a fear of the unknown and a fear of other that is lesser known to us. And these are still things that everyone around the world in every single culture is dealing with. And so now to stop and be, like you said, uh, allow the better angels on our shoulders to speak to us because our guts know the truth. When someone's standing in front of you, it doesn't matter who they are, what group they're from, what race they're from, what political party, you can feel the truth in that person. There, If there's a kindness and a caring, it's going to ring through if you're actually open and paying attention. If there's a stinginess and meanness and judgment, that's going to ring through too. And I think going back to, like you say, appealing to that higher a part of ourselves, the, I, you can call it spirit, higher mind, whatever you wish, allowing that part to speak through us will start taking us back to essential truths. And right now, I think the essential truths are most important. It's going to take a long time to unwind this morass, this mess of information around us, but we can get back to the essential truth. Yeah, don't be beguiled by someone promising you insider knowledge or promising they're going to be doing this or that for you. Something has to actually move in your body, much like that thing. That person that you know is kind because of the radiance and the energy that's brought forth, not just some idea in your mind, right? Right. 
actual presence of that person. And the same is true for us. We need to be more present. We need to be more present to one another, more compassionate, more courageous, more creative. Um, and those have real attributes. It's not just an imagination in the mind. We need to step out. We need to be acknowledge um, our wounds. And we need to help each other heal them. So to me, no cancel culture here, no conspiracy, no conventional culture. We're unconventional, we're healthy, <laughs> we're together and with each other rather than fragmented and at, <clears throat> at each other's throat. We can do this. All of us can do this. <clears throat> it doesn't require an ideology, it doesn't require a solitary belief system, it doesn't require a race or sex or any kind of membership requirement. It requires us to be human beings in the full range and depth of what it means to be a human being, including all our fallibilities, as well as all our aspirations and our amazing genius and talent we have just begun to scratch the surface on. So that's the part. There's not going to be a vacuum. There's going to be a clearing. This, this new part of ourselves is emerging. This wonderful, joyful, spiritual, and practical opportunity is coming forward. And uh, Regina, again, I mean, you have dedicated your life not only to the critical examination of the things that prevent us right from letting that thing come out but now more and more paying attention to the tools and the ways that once this comes out we can link up with each other and and create that that kind of heaven on earth not in an ideal not an imaginal well but in a, in a real way by going back to our essential truth inside by being willing to take a chance with each other again and not show up in this world as a cynic. Cynicism does not work in this world. Um, cynicism will never give birth to something beautiful. So rather than immediately sus being suspicious of one another as we've grown to be, we're gonna have to take a chance at some point and say, you know, I don't know you, but I'd like to. And so that's where we start is the simplest and most essential things. And even as we talked about Michael Flynn and, and you know, what's going on inside, we can't give motivations to it. One thing for sure is whatever, however Michael was raised in a military family, he wanted to be a hero. He wants to be a hero. So that's inside him. Whatever's driving him to do what he did and, and is still doing, <laughs> um, he's just a guy that wants to be a hero. All of us have our stuff, but let's not call it something other than it is. That's all I'm saying. So Zeus, thank you so much. Um, this has been a wonderful conversation, and it's one that I know we've both been looking forward to doing for a while because we've had our nose in articles and magazines and books for weeks now trying to figure this thing out. And so, anyway, thank you so much for doing this one, part three of Under the Hood with me. Well, thank, thanks for bringing it and having the idea to do it. You have such a nose for these things, Regina. <laughs> and um, I, I feel like, just like with the rest of your interviews, that when you do an interview with me, my whole game rises like you know a <laughs> hundredfold you know just, you. it just it just brings me into a new dimension so again thanks for inviting me on i never take this for granted even though i'm your mate yes uh, no. and uh you know no nepotism I, here i only invite you on because you're good and you do your research just fyi well thank you thank you for that <laughs> but i have to say that you know i i don't think i this would happen without you conducting this interview so thank again, you for that and i think this is really important stuff we are finding our way yeah. And it's a hopeful thing. And with all the research we did, which was really kind of 
some, some dark, and I know it was weighing on you a little bit. It weighed this, on me a lot. This seed that we're offering right now seems to make it all worth it. It does. Right? This positive, spiritual, practical, communal seed. So, um, so I'm glad to. Me too. Thank you, Zeus. Until we do our next one, uh, there's a lot to do. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. The labor of love. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll see you. <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody, um, you can obviously you can look at the other parts of our series. There are three others uh, of Under the Hood, uh, dealing with truth and finance and the stuff we've been talking about today. Uh, you can go back and look here at, in reginamaris.com at those interviews and others. But also you can go to Zeus's site, uh, citizenzeus.com. Zeus has been doing equally as much uh, research on covid everything from every country, every paper he can get his hands on to keep tracking this thing and seeing where we are with it, how we can best serve ourselves in our, our own way of managing it and such. And very, very well-researched uh, video pieces that are backed up by article uh, links to articles. So you might want to go to citizenzeus.com as well. So until next time, I hope we can each get back to looking in each other's eyes and finding those essential truths again. <laughs>